Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don, where Pastor Don answers all of your questions on theology, parenting, and whether he can tell if you're sleeping in church. Enjoy. Please like and subscribe. Donnie. Alex. Can I call you Donnie? If you, has anyone ever called you that? Yes, my grandmother. Oh, yes. yes. So you're in a, a rare group. Okay. Call me Donnie. Interesting. I, my stepdad, Rob, his, uh, my mom found out that, like, found, like, on all of his old stuff, Robbie. And so she's like, Robbie. And he's like, I hate it. You Robbie. But so now she just calls him Robbie the Bobby. And that's funny. Um,. We've got we got some questions sent in, and then I got some interesting treasure questions too. Ooh. Um, this one comes from Merv Hirschberger. Mm-hmm. You know him? I knew. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he hauls pigs for us. So he does. I saw him the other morning helping us empty the barn out, and he thought you should talk about what you think about alcohol in the Bible, and you know, kind of where where you stand on that whole situation. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. So that you need to preface this this is where don sees the bible okay on the issue of alcohol um and i think i mentioned it on sunday morning mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago uh i i don't drink right because of those kind of addictive behaviors that i think are so prevalent within me okay and so uh, i i do not drink i won't have alcohol in the house that being said when we look at the bible uh it never in fact, it talks about alcohol quite a bit. Yeah. Not only uh, very seldom does it talk about beer, except in the Old Testament, but wine quite a bit in the New Testament. In mm-hmm. fact, communion yeah. would be a, a center place of wine. We know that drinking is not a sin, but drunkenness is. Yeah. And, and part of the reason I think drunkenness is such a sin is the fact that it uh, anesthetizes our thinking process yeah and so we probably don't realize it how much we're in spiritual warfare but to have us uh, anesthetized and not in our correct mind leads us really fast from temptation to sin and I we talked about that concept between the difference between temptation which is with us all the time yeah and temptation itself is not sin but when our uh, guard is down low enough, then we, it's much easier to move from temptation to sin. And, and then we need to take care of that sin. Yeah. So uh, my caution would be for us as Christians uh, to be careful in our, in our taking in of alcohol mm-hmm. and uh, be sure that we don't move from just having a drink once in a while to drunkenness. Yep. I agree. You can do a lot of harm when you have your guards down mm-hmm. from drinking. I, I've definitely, I've done that before where, you know, you say something that that's not what uh, next day you're kind of ashamed of that. Exactly. Yeah. And then how do you apologize? Do you apologize for the drunkenness or do you apologize for what's said? Well, I guess I would have, I, I've apologized for what's said. Okay. I mean, it's been with friends and, and they're like, well, yeah, we, we know. It's, it is what it is, you know. I was there with you, you know. That's amazing amount I of understand. grace. Yeah. I mean, talk about an example of grace. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you're a girl. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 
it's because I'm human. I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, I definitely understand that. It's, you know, you get that way and that's definitely well, something that's tricky to. Well, and you talk about in, in my family system, how far that sin went, it actually went to murder. Oh, that in, in the case of uh, one of the family members, uh, in a drunken fit, uh, one brother killed another brother. Whoa. And so that's not a sin you're going to take back easy. No. So I'm, I'm just saying this is real stuff. This is real time. Holy crap. And, uh, you know, you're not going to, to take uh, back that kind of sin. Sheesh. Yeah. I, that's rough. Yeah. Make you make some bad decisions not to be taken lightly. Right. I agree. And once you've had that first few drinks, it's a lot easier for peer pressure to get you to do some more. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I get that. Just don't take it so lightly. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Um, this question, uh, Lauren Huber. I'm reading this one cold, so this should be fun. We often think unfavorable towards Adam and Eve for sinning, for giving us sin and toward Judas for betraying Jesus. Were these two people just pawns in God's grand scheme of things? What if Eve had told the serpent no thanks and told to eat the apple? Or what if Judas refused the 30 pieces of silver and said, I will not be unfaithful to my Lord? What would our Bible look like? Maybe these individuals should be looked upon in a more favorable way. That's possible that they might be looked up on in a more favorable way. One of the interesting things is their actions are so such an accurate mirror of our normal human tendency. You think about Adam and Eve and they're told not to do something. I don't know whether you were ever a kid, were you Alex? (laughs) But it seems like the thing that you're not told not to do, that's what you're going to end up doing. Yeah. And so, at the very least, these accounts of these individuals uh, inform us that our gut decisions may not be our best decisions. Our tendencies may not be the best to follow because, you know, that's what Adam and Eve did uh, out of greed, if you want to take it to the simplest. Judas gave up his savior for 40 pieces of silver. Uh, Are we looking for the fast buck? He got it. Didn't work too well for him. Yeah. Uh, And there's been a lot, probably more, done on the character of Judas than there has been for Adam and Eve, but there's been similar theological work on both of those. Our tendency, well, and we have to admit uh, admit that the cross wouldn't have happened, at least the way we have it in the Gospels, without Jesus' betrayal. Right. That being said, did God not know it was going to happen? Well, I think he was fully informed. And the reason I think he was fully informed, because we have such a uh, dramatic account in prophecy go to Isaiah is it Isaiah 53 that has such a dramatic account of what's going to happen even down yeah. to the silver mm-hmm. 
That's long before. Yeah. Judas. Yeah. I mean, even even the donkey. Mm-hmm. For when Jesus was led, he made sure that's where the donkey's going to be. It's important because that's what was prophesied, and there it was. Yeah, and there it was. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly, you know, and, and so God wasn't surprised by any of this. Yeah. I agree. But should we look favorable, more favorable? Well, did they make a sacrifice or did they just make the wrong choice? You know, does God have his arm around Judas in heaven saying, sorry, you had to be the fall guy? Yeah. Who was he? He was the fall guy in that situation. But with the same agenda he was dealing with, how many of us would have come out a different spot? Yeah. In a way, whether we like it or not, uh, Judas betrays the fact that those kinds of things are going on in each of our hearts. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there are days that we betray Jesus. Mm-hmm. And just just for just to get a couple more bucks. Yep. I get that. You know, I'm dealing with something right now where I like to buy this farm ground. We've got other we got a mortgage on the house already. You know, student loans and stuff and. I mean, I'd probably have to pick up another job, and and we could do it. It's doable. But in the formable years of my young children's life, I got a two-year-old and a three-month-old, do I really want to spend the next, the years where they're growing up with, if that second job, just to pay for this, just to pay for this acre, these, these fields so that I have a good retirement, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. So... That, that goes back to, so how, how do we discern God's will in our life? Mm-hmm. And uh, Judas wasn't there. Judas was flying by the gut. Right. And I think that's part of what you could say in, in, both, in response to both of those. Uh, they were going with their gut yeah. in the midst of all that. They weren't discerning the heart of God. Whereas you have David, who even though he murdered still was being said he was a a man after God's own heart. Well, there's a difference there. So David was blessed in so many different ways. And even after his betrayal and his restoration by Nathan uh, was blessed. His household was a mess after that, but that's part of what his sin brought out. Okay, so Alex and I'm sort of in the same situation wondering what the Lord's going to do with us Um, how do we discern the heart of God for our lives and the only way I've found to do that is to connect intimately with God daily Um, to to the point where the Holy Spirit pours over us and, and, and we can feel the presence of God God's Holy Spirit and, and we we feel so close to God that it really doesn't matter where we're at or what we're doing yeah uh, that's worship uh, but that's that's an intimacy with God that we can tell that we're at the right spot when we're there mm-hmm. and the second piece that Charlene and I have 
been experiencing is even in the desert place the place where we're sort of feeling like we're out on our own we, we feel a peace a, a, uh, a shalom that God can give us even in the hard times hmm. that's interesting that's good I, there's people that were in the uh, concentration camps in Germany I'm trying to remember Niebuhr is the name that comes to my mind that could feel shalom even in a concentration camp under that kind of duress and torture because of his relationship with God Yeah. and acknowledging that while I could take everything away from us physically that intimacy with God they could not take away and uh, that that's priceless so I just nudge you in and like we're doing on our sojourn as well uh, seek 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 to be close to God yeah that's what we're doing so we'll see yeah it's amazing what he might do and it's amazing how God's taking care of us in the desert yeah I agree I got more money questions. Do you? Yeah. I'm really not trying to be a financial advisor, but... Oh, no. these are None of these are going to be anything more than that. And, or, oh, okay. No. Well, then we probably can get by with that. No, you just pretty much have to uh, give me the right answers. Um, has Jesus ever been on money? Or God ever been on money? On money? Yeah. No. You know how they said, like, uh, you know, get, get render under Caesar what is his, right? Right. And that was... That was Jesus' way of getting out from under a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you go into that passage and you realize, oh, you could have answered a couple different ways and really been in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but his answer was right on. And uh, well, they were trying to trick him. They were. They yeah. were trying to trick him up in mm-hmm. that passage. And so, yeah, so render under Caesar. What Caesar? Render unto God. What is God? Yeah. And we realized that. God's got his image on us. Right. So then we know what to give God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I got another one. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this. Ophir. O-P-H-I-R. It's often referred to as the biblical El Dorado. Second uh, Chronicles 921. I'll pull her up. Second Chronicles. Yep. I looked into this a little bit, and I found it uh, interesting, the depths that people went to try to find this uh, El Dorado, so to speak, with only a few passages, or a few sentences. Am I right? Hopefully I'm right. Second Chronicles 9.21. Okay, and this is uh, the Queen of Sheba. Okay, they're trying to find that. King had a fleet of trading ships manned by Hiram and Hiram's men. Yep. Once every three years, it returned carrying gold, silver, ivory, and apes and baboons. Oh, you're talking about King Solomon's mines. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, they th- they've been called King Solomon's mines, right? Right. Because they're returning with these things. But what it most likely is, it has to be some kind of a trading post, doesn't it? Or a trading system, yeah. Uh, 
So I've got. Does it does 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 your Bible say anything about peacocks? Peacocks? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Apes and baboons. Okay. Well, I did find out that like the word that in the, the in the Greek that they use for apes is a very Indian word. Uh, so like they wouldn't have known that it wouldn't have. They would not have had a name for them, so they would have adopted that name. In the Hebrew context, yeah. they would not have had that name. Right. right. But it's, it's possible that they could have adopted that earlier, and it could be. So that's a little bit of where it might be. Um, uh, but what they thought was, what I've heard as most interesting is that it's three years. So India is obviously not going to be a three years journey, right? No. So it has to be something different. Unless they're just going to certain like little spots, but the amount of gold that they're bringing back is is tremendous, tremendous, and I think some jewels too and stuff. Um, so I've I've heard stuff that it, maybe it's South America. Well, I was wondering the same thing because that's was noted for gold. Mm-hmm. I mean, they that is where El Dorado is. Exactly. Yeah. Er. Well, that could be an interesting thing to study. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because there are some connections uh, archaeologically yeah. between uh, South America, the Mayans, the Incas, mm -hmm. and, uh, and Hebrew culture, yeah. which is a real weird job. It is. Uh-huh. And uh, so it, it, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, I know there's a lot of birds and stuff that would not, that have been like uh, chiseled into the Mayan ruins and or in the temples and stuff, they're like, they didn't have those. And I think a peacock was one of them where they wouldn't have had anything like right. that. Um, and then the same thing in the in the Indian, whatever, the, not the, what's that temple called? I forget. The Mayan temples? Back well, the Indian one. The Indian. Oh, the Pueblos. No, the one that's in India. Oh, that direction. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. We but yeah, two, a lot of cross. Two different kind of Indians. Yeah, I know. I, I, I we'll say the Native Americans versus. Well, I mean, so they wouldn't have been Native Americans. Well, a lot of loss in translation. Hopefully, everyone that's listening can follow that. Which is interesting, since we're going to be talking about that kind of thing Sunday. Yeah. We'll talk about the that Tower of Babylon. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to address that as well. Um, uh, let's see another thing. Like you said, they found historical evidence for it. Yeah, they found for a long time they thought that this was a, you know, mythical place. Blah blah. But then in I think it was Tel Aviv, they found some pottery that had Ophir, O P H I R, on it. Mm -hmm. So there was a robust trading and whatever that was. And archaeology is going to really get us confounded here pretty soon. Yeah. Because I think they'll continue to find things that just don't fit our way of thinking about the past. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Vatican's hiding cool stuff? Why not? Okay. Why yeah. wouldn't they? I don't know. Knowledge is power. You know? That's true. If they know it, nobody else knows it. Yeah, but if you got it, why hold on to it? It doesn't well, make sense. It. If you got it, don't flaunt it. If you got it, flaunt it. Well, yeah, especially okay. if it's if it's gonna, you know. Although. You know, I, I hate to, to say it, but sometimes the Vatican has been uh, guilty of controlling the message. Well. And so if it doesn't quite fit the message that they want going out, it's like 
any one of the rest of us. You know, we want to yeah. we we want to control the message. Sure, that, I mean that makes sense. Um, here's another. So I'm just I'm obsessed. I looked at like a lot of just mysteries, and I'm obsessed with it because it's cool. The unknown. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, the trouble is you don't know. Right. I mean, that's the one. So thing. then you can make a lot of things mystery, just because you don't know. Right. Well, until you know God, it's a mystery too. That's kind True. of one of the cool things about it as well. Yeah. Once you actually find God and learn and really know, there's no like, there's no lukewarm about it. So I, I've had friends that's like, you know, I tried that. I'm like, you never, you never knew. Mm-hmm. You never knew. Right. If you knew. You'd be obsessed with it, right? You know? Faith is being sure of what you hope yeah. for, yeah, and certain of what you do not see. Mm-hmm. All right, another mystery one. The Hebrew word "sila" s e l a h. It's all over the Old Testament. It's used almost eighty times, which means it's three times more common than "hallelujah" and twice as common as "amen." But while these words, also from from Hebrew originally, are now used and understood around the world, no one says "sila." I don't know what it is. The writers of the New Testament didn't use it either, and that's because by the time they were writing, the meaning of the word was long forgotten. Even when people started translating the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek way back in 270 BC, they had to speculate on its meaning. Exactly, and they're still speculating mm-hmm. on what it means. Yeah, that's sort of interesting because there are that word and, and uh, the word we either call Yahweh or Jehovah was not spoken, but we knew it was God. Oh. And so that's why you have some people saying Yahweh and some people saying Jehovah, because you can get both of those from the uh, the way the Hebrew is written. Interesting. And so Selah is another one of those. It was a sacred word. We know that it had something to do with with the way the Psalms were written, either meter or time or, uh, uh, or a pause or a pause or a motion. Yeah, because a lot of that was musical. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so they were performed. Mm hmm. And so it could have been emotion that they did at the time. Interesting. How cool would that be to find out? Yeah. That'd be really cool if they found archaeological stuff for that. Because so how can you not know what that word means, you know? And so so when you read the Psalms and you all come to one of those, we'd all have to kneel yeah. at the same time or something like that. A high five. High Okay. Could be. High five. Best bumps. I hadn't thought about High fives, yeah. it could be. We might have just lost high fives for thousands of years until the first guy running around the bases decided he didn't want to stop and handshake. You know, that's where that came from. The high really? five. Yeah. Guy hit a home run. Too much and time. usually they had to they would shake hands to the third base coach, first base coach, but he just said, I hit the hand, hit the hand, and then it became popular. Cool. I didn't know that history. Yeah. See, I learned something here as well. Uh, cool. All right. Through through there. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm ready. I've braced myself. Well, yeah, still, yeah, choose one. Truth or dare. I have to choose? Yeah. Have you never played truth or dare? I'm sorry. Truth. I figured. What's your favorite kind of nut? Walnut. Me too. That's cool. I think it's the best one. I mean, I'll do pecan, but like, I'll I like pecans and pie. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving's coming up. But if it's without a pie, yeah. Well, it tastes like the same, though. Do you, yeah. do you like doing the cracking of them? Yeah, it takes too much time for the goodness you get. I 
be so much better. You need to make a big mess, and that's fun. Yeah, but cleaning up the mess. Praise the Lord for vacuum cleaners. Yes. yes. Yeah. Ingenuity makes life a lot easier. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Don. Take Thank care. You, Alex. Yep. Have a good week. You too.